Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you? Doing just well. Uh, should we go back to introducing ourselves in the beginning of these? Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Stevie. I'm Emily. And this is The, the Sex, Sex Files. Files. Beautiful. Just in case you didn't know what you're listening to. I have nothing to say. I'm so tired. I know. Me too. Well, we don't normally record in the mornings because, well, listeners, we have been really good about recording and we've been like weeks ahead. So like when you've been listening, we recorded that weeks ago. Um, But for this episode, (laughs) we are recording on Wednesday and you'll be listening perhaps tomorrow. So we're recording early in the morning, but I have coffee and a fun sweater. So I know you're, the vibes right now are really are really good. I really like them. Thank you. I like yours. You look like Elaine. You do. I look like I look like Elaine when um, this is going to be so niche, but I look like Elaine in that one episode where George and her like swap lives. So everything <gasps> starts going bad for Elaine, and everything oh starts going really well for George. No, that's your exact outfit. I'm going to make a post, you know, right now that we're going to post a picture of that outfit because it's literally exactly what you look like right now. That's not even funny. If you had those little glasses and what it was, was her hair say, half up, half down. Yeah. I think are in a ponytail, like a low ponytail. Yeah. You know what you also look like? You also look like fucking Piper in that one paparazzi photo. Yeah, which one? Where she has the, the cap and the baggy jeans and the mm. and t-shirt. She's like eating something out of like a bag. She's eating like a pastry or something. Yeah, yeah, that no? one. And Jillian's getting into her Porsche. <laughs> yeah, as, as you do. Or whatever she had. As you do as a mother. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel, honestly. My style is like either Jillian disheveled making school runs in the 90s or her infant child. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, those are the vibes. Like, there's no in-between. Little girl or disheveled mother. I'm so into that. Or or I would also say um, uh, Jillian begrudgingly going to an award show. Oh, yeah. Because do I like dressing up? Yeah. Do I like being in public? No. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Like, with a fun leather jacket and, like, a cute tie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that would be the three. Uh, the Holy Trinity. Yeah. That's beautiful. Seriously. We'll post a little fashion mood board for you. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that so much. Yeah, my life is just me going through my camera roll, looking at different pictures of Jillian from the 90s, trying to pick out which outfit I want to wear. <laughs> That's so true. That was mine in high school, but with Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. And I yeah. would be like, how much chiffon can I wear to algebra today? <laughs> As you should. That's amazing. And my hair up in the fucking test style bun. Maybe I'll post that old picture of me. I love that. And I still got dress code. Make it make sense. Of course. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> Speaking of horrible people in positions of power who hate women. We love a transition. Um, <laughs> I wanted to talk very briefly about, and thank you, listener, and thank you, Stevie, for letting me talk about this yeah. because I know it'll circle back around to something relative to the podcast, but um, it's something that's really important to me and something that will impact um, my future and, and what I hope to do um, as a career at some point. And, and so I wanted to talk very briefly about the, if you are in the United States, um, the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. Yeah, it's grim. It's not great. Um, 
I'm saying um a lot. Okay, shut up. Am Don't I... judge yourself. You're I'm perfect. not judging myself. I'm pointing it out so that I can be You know better. who says um all the time? Jillian Anderson. <laughs> Mine are like quick. Hers are like, which is um... <laughs> Which is better. You got it. Keep going. So very briefly, uh, I just wanted to talk about that and just kind of go through what, not the whole thing, one point in particular um, that will kind of lead us into something we want to start possibly here in this space. Uh, the nominee for the Supreme Court is Amy, what's her middle name? Amy Coney. Amy Barrett. Amy piece of shit. And Barrett. <laughs> That's her middle name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, she is most likely going to be confirmed by the end of this week, potentially. A lot of people are very concerned about the state of Roe versus Wade. Um, little backstory um, Roe versus Wade was established in 1973. The Supreme Court deemed um, it uh, constitutional to provide women with abortions safe, accessibly. However, that was a landmark decision. However, um, it was a precedent. So it didn't establish any laws. It didn't, you know, um, dismantle any laws that, were, that had been in place that made abortion access difficult. Um, and so because of that, state by state, Republicans have done what they can to chip away at abortion rights, birth control rights, reproductive rights in general. If Amy Barrett is confirmed, um, she has refused so far to say that Roe versus Wade is a super precedent, meaning it's so ingrained in, in the standards of the Constitution that it cannot be overturned. An example of what that would be that she says is Brown versus Board of Education, which, which prevents segregation in schools, which, of course, we all know is not the case. <laughs> it's just... Anyway, we won't get into that. But this goes beyond abortion rights. Pro-life has nothing to do with abortion. No. And it has everything to do with controlling women. If people who claim they are pro-life um, were truly pro-life, they would recognize the importance of eliminating the death penalty, of the importance of uh, Medicare or health care for all. Mm -hmm. um, they would recognize the importance of being anti-war, and none of these line up with, with traditionally Republican values. I also love that like when asked about her to accepting the nomination right now as so close to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, she's like, well, it was my choice, ma'am. Ma yeah, yeah. I mean, the irony is, is uh, eternal, really, that it seems as though that is the underlying. It's the same thing. I mean, Stevie and I watched a video with our man Jordan Klepper. This may be turned into a stand podcast for Jordan Klepper. Yeah. <laughs> and he was at a Trump rally. Um, he was interviewing this uh, man and he said, um, you identify as pro-life, correct? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And Jordan Klepper said, it's so important that we uh, value and protect every human life as, as much as we can. And he said, absolutely. Jordan Klepper said, okay, why aren't you wearing a mask? And this man was like, well, I mean, like, it's my choice to not wear a mask. So, like, bleh. Oh, my God. It's, it, that, it, I mean, it ultimately just gets back to the fact that the uh, debate surrounding abortion, I just want to say this, 
is not about the right to life. It has nothing to do with that. Because regardless of how you feel about abortion, whether you think it's murder, whether you think that women should be able to have access to abortion on demand, whether you think the cutoff should be three weeks or a million weeks, it doesn't matter. The debate is about whether or not you believe a woman has the right to choose, period. Yep. Women will always get abortions. Always. It's just a matter of whether or not that they'll do them in a safe way. That is the only difference. So we're clearly pro-choice. And if you're not, just go ahead and click off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so how, what are we going to do? Tell them what we're going to do now. So another part about this is that being pro-life, there's nothing about, there's nothing pro-life about the foundation, which I believe is denying people comprehensive sex education. Mm-hmm. CB and I had the idea, not that this will have an effect or impact on a large scale, but we were thinking about adding a little segment into um, some episodes, basically just highlighting what I wish my middle school sex ed class taught me. Yeah. And this will range from very serious things like birth control and abortion and um, I don't know, um, boundaries and consent and consent. Yeah. And all of that um, to more kind of just like fun and light topics like, yeah, like, like sexting and, and masturbation, which we've already talked about, but like in things like that. First dates. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're going to do. So we're going to have a little, um, what we wish we learned in middle school sex ed corner, sex corner. If you have a fun title, send them our way because that's fun. We're burnt out. Yeah. Well, we came up with Jillian corner and the sex files and no more titles for us. (laughs) Enough titles for the rest of our lives. Can't come up with anything else. So yeah, we're going to start that probably next week, unless you have something for today. Um, No, I don't have anything for today. um, Unless you want me to talk about that message. Yeah, no, talk about that. <laughs> okay. So, okay. <laughs> um, let me pull it. Let me get it. Cause I, I'll give a little backstory. Um, yeah, please Emily do. Emily encouraged me to make a Tinder because the only time I had ever had any kind of dating app was my first year in college. And the first guy I met on there, I was with for like two years on and off. So I didn't really... <laughs> I wasn't using it to its proper potential. Um, And so, and then I never went back on. And so I went on and it can actually be really empowering to go on and just flirt with people and really be picky and pick who you want. And then if you don't like talking to somebody, just log off. And it's a great way to practice setting boundaries and practice communicating and saying what you want. And I've only been, I was like chatting with some people last night and I felt so in control and so empowered. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want. If you don't talk, if you're not saying what I like, then I'm just going to click off and say that. And like, that's really fucking badass. But then Emily was talking to somebody and got some funny messages. So yeah, so that's the backstory. And I would also like to say just very brief, um, maybe little teaser for this new segment is um, ladies and uh, others, not cis white heterosexual men Mm -hmm. i think that oh this is going to turn into a whole segment but to keep it short be in the driver's seat of your life (laughs) that is the theme always that's the theme always because i think particularly for women we stevie and i talked about this briefly a while ago but we were talking about how there is a social narrative and there is a standard that things are supposed to happen to us 
and that initiation is very unattractive. And so mm-hmm. we were just talking about how there's a scene in Mad Men show that takes place in the 50s, 60s, 70s. And the mother tells her eight-year-old or so daughter when after she kisses a boy um, that boys, uh, that you don't kiss boys, boys kiss you. And that is, I mean, that is our, that those are our, our mothers. I mean, that's our, our mom's generation is, is the, the young girl who is told that. So yeah, they're just trying to break free from that. And then we're doing it even more so, but we're still going to have those, that trickle down effect of that ingrained misogyny and that ingrained um, passivity that's pushed on women. The point of this being take the driver's seat in your life. This is specifically with, um, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, it's with everything, but since we're talking about sex and relationships, if you want to know if somebody likes you, tell them that you like them and say, I'd love to get a coffee with you. How does that sound? And then that's it. And then whatever they say, if it's a rejection, that's simply a redirection. That is absolutely nothing to do with you you're still amazing but you're not for everyone and that's okay because that's how all of us are Mm -hmm. and um well there's this whole like narrative that girls mature more quickly than boys do but it's it's not that it's simply that girls are held accountable and blamed for every single thing that they do from the second that they exit the womb like it's truly that they're just held accountable and boys never are not and so they're forced to mature quote unquote more quickly that's not an ingrained sex thing and it's even more complicated depending on if you're non-binary, if like yeah. whatever, if you're trans, yep. whatever, that even becomes more complex and the layered misogyny takes hold. The narrative around that is always um, an excuse for why boys behave worse than, than girls mm-hmm. and never um, a token for saying to boys, use her as a role model. Mm-hmm and look up to her no it's never framed as that no, it's, never it's always that. framed it's always framed as an excuse and never as um as an inspiration yep okay talk about your messages so i have nothing about the x-files in my bio i used to um <laughs> but i changed it so this this really threw me off um so <laughs> okay first of all men are embarrassing <laughs> um second of all so this guy messaged me and he said Want to know my favorite part of your body? The microchip implanted by the government. <laughs> okay. So, uh, drunk with Stevie, <laughs> I decided it was a good idea to say, um, that's so sexy because I am Dana Catherine Scully. As you do. Because I am. Yep. Fun fact. This is actually a podcast with Dana Catherine Scully. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? She's here. So blah, blah, blah. He acted like I really thought I was Dana Scully. (laughs) Did he know? Is it clear that he knows who she is? TBD. I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to keep this conversation going for the sake of this podcast. Okay. So she said, so she, (laughs) I wish. So he (laughs) said, are you really? And I said, and he said, because that's so sexy too. Wow. So I said, yep. I said, then, and then this is what it turns into. It turns into me communicating with men about how hot Jillian Anderson is in various forms. And that's powerful. So I said, she is so sexy. It's honestly my goal to match that level of hotness. And then I said, 
I'm pretty smart and capable. I might not work for the FBI, but I can rock a skirt suit and some heels. Uh, an A plus message. Right? Let me, can we just take a minute and appreciate that? Because I send every message I get on Tinder to Emily. <laughs> and I'm like, what should I say to this one? So Emily's having all my conversations for me because I don't know how to be clever. No. no. Or like I told, I told Steve, we should do a whole thing on like dating app. Yeah, I know. Um, like whatever. Okay. So then, then horrible which maybe makes me not want to continue the conversation, but I will for the entertainment of this Mm -hmm. space. He said, uh, you're hotter. We don't compare women. Stop. Don't at me. It's just so funny that he thinks he's doing something by saying that. That's, that's the thing that kills me. It's like, bro, I don't want to be compared to other women. Like that isn't attractive. No, that's not cute. You're like, I worship her. Why would you say that? exactly like little does he know (laughs) little does he fucking know but honestly i worship all women so like not even my baby but if he said about anyone anybody um so then he asked me where i live and he called me scully uh so (laughs) that's weird that's weird that's suspicious well the thing is is that (laughs) when she got that message i was like maybe he'll role play (laughs) it's um it's enticing, but he looks nothing like David Duchovny. So, unfortunately, unfortunate. It's gonna be a no. Um, so then he said, "What's your favorite conspiracy theory?" Because that's in my bio. And I said, "Me being hotter than Scully is my favorite conspiracy theory, my dude." Clever. And then he just doubled down, and he was like, "I think that's a cold hard fact." So stop. Read stop, the room. Stop. So stop. And that's where it's ended because. My, my next move was going to be sending him a picture of her and being like, <laughs> we don't compare women in this house. I think that's because we don't. I think you should. And if anybody else has some fun, clever replies, send them our way. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah, there was a really hot guy on Tinder last night that looked like Tarzan. That I, His name was William. <laughs> and I literally, I literally DM'd um, Skylar. She listens. Uh, we love you, Skylar. Hi. Um, I DM'd her and I was like, hi, can you send me that video video of Jillian yelling, William? Because that's how I wanted to start the conversation. <laughs> that would have been so perfect. No, but then he beat me to it. No, I feel like I can't send it. Whatever. I think you should still send it. What did he say? I'm not reading that. Yeah. So, he, so basically, um, this man thinks I'm Scully. <laughs> so. And that's it. That's it. Wow, that was a really long tangent. Essentially, the whole point is is that um, fuck Donald Trump, fuck Amy Barrett, uh, yep. make sure you go out and vote. We're going to start a little sex corner, and we're going to talk about all things sex positive, what you wish you learned in middle school sex ed. And that's, that's, that's the thing. That's what we're doing. And thinking that saying one woman is hotter than the other as a compliment is not cute. It's not cute. Ever. Ever. That's, and that's the, that's the gist. That being said, shall we discuss an episode that has little to nothing to do with what we just talked about, like we usually do? Absolutely. Although, I feel like we do a good job finding what we talked about in the beginning in the episode somehow. We absolutely do. And I was just going to say, there's uh, technology in this episode. Also. um, That connects. um, Scully or Jillian um, making a very interesting acting choice by moaning. (laughs) Um, when she's uh, being sucked up a air vent. Right. I have some. So, 
I mean, I rewound it three times, so. <laughs> I better. I, think I, I also have some notes on it, too. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's get into it. Thank All you right. so much for bearing with us and listening through this shit. Like, I feel like we're going to get to a point where, like, half the audience will listen to the beginning and half the audience will fast forward 20 minutes through to get to the episode starting. Yeah. But honestly, that's where I want to be because in My Favorite Murder, one of my favorite podcasts, they talk for maybe the first 30 minutes sometimes yeah. to 40 and like some people fast forward and some people listen and like the ogs listen and i'm one of the ogs um and i promise like things will get more concise Meh. because i'm sure this is just a lot of all over the place that's but... our brand though yeah that's Being chaotic okay. okay anyways we're gonna start the episode you ready i'm ready episode seven yes, seven wait can you believe that we've done seven episodes that was our lean no. but... <laughs> That was Arlene's butt. <laughs> Emily and I have been quoting that for about a week because apparently that's how we say everything. <laughs> it's when Jillian... Can it's, you believe? It was at a panel where um, Jillian and David were talking about the, the pilot episode and how th- that butt isn't hers. We, we've talked about that in the pilot. And yeah. Jillian was like, that was Arlene's butt and put her hand on her hip. And apparently that's how Emily and I say everything. So we're on episode seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Ghosts in the Machine. Ooh, spoopy. Spoopy? Yeah. Spooky? No, spoopy. We've been spoopy. over this. <laughs> Apparently spoopy? people in New York don't say spoopy, but people in California say it all the time. I've never heard that. I'm posting a poll. People what who know it. spoopy? What... It's just like spooky, but spoopy. I don't know how to explain Why? it. Why? It's like cute. I'm like, so, I don't know. It's fun. Spoop. Okay. <laughs> just kick ra- I'm just kicking rats here. <laughs> Okay, can I just say that actually? Because that's actually a funny story. Yeah, it is. Stevie and I were going for a walk the other day uh, in New York, and we witnessed this old woman with her dog bend down <laughs> with with a newspaper bag and pick up a dead squirrel off of the sidewalk. Oh, while like screaming at her dog not to eat it. <laughs> this woman is probably in her late eighties. She's so she small. was like four feet tall, <laughs> and she and then. You know, Stevie and I were just minding our business. We walk up and we're like walking slower because she was, we didn't really know what she was doing. We were like, is she going to pick that up? And she was <laughs> like, yeah, I think she's picking it up. And then um, the woman goes, uh, as she's walking away to throw it in someone else's garbage can, she goes, these things are just rats with furry tails. This should happen to all of them. <laughs> And Stevie said that was the most New York thing she's ever experienced. It truly was. It was anyway. the most pure New York thing. And then we went and got a bagel. And I think that was the most New York day of my life. Yeah, probably. Nice yeah. fall day. Was, okay. Anyways. <laughs> anyway, that'll be Jillian in tw- 20 years. <laughs> These are all rats with tails. She literally was like, it probably fell out of a tree and broke its neck. I was like, ma'am, they're meant to jump from trees. What do you mean? <laughs> Squirrels don't fall out of trees. What? <laughs> what, a, what a fun lady. Okay. I hope she's doing well. I hope so too. Okay. Back to the episode. So, Ghost of the Machine, episode seven. Yes. So, we open on Eurisco World Headquarters in Crystal City, Virginia. And we just have two men yelling at each other. As we often do in this show. Classic mm-hmm. X Files opening. Yeah. So, we find out that one of the men is Drake. I don't didn't write down his first name. Who gives a shit? Okay. Other man is Brad. I wrote that his name is Brad, so we don't have to make up a fuckboy name. They gave it mm. to us 
free of charge. They gave it to us already. Yeah. How 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 sweet. It's like they knew. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So the whole discussion is that Brad is getting fired. Um. Because their his boss Drake is uh, restructuring the company and they're terminating the program that he was working on, which was this a COS project, mm-hmm. which I will discuss more later. So, um. Throughout the episode, there's a suggestion that people are being watched. There's um, a lot of views from um, from security cameras, and then we see footage on security uh, monitors of people, and then like it'll cut to that person in real life. This is the so, first of like at least ten episodes that they do about this. At least, like they use this plot line so many times. They really said, all the way to the revival, <laughs> season eleven. It's a nice, literally. it's a bookend. Yeah, so there's a suggestion that people are being watched, and there's a suggestion that Drake is being watched. So his office starts malfunctioning all of a sudden when he goes into the bathroom. His sink is overflowing, the phone rings, and there's just one random voice that says something and then hangs up. So he gets locked in the bathroom. All the lights turn off. He tries to unlock it. His key card doesn't work. Why does he have a key card for the inside of his bathroom? I don't know. Who knows? and uh so he tries to unlock it with a key and he gets electrocuted and gets shot back like quite far superhero style um and dies and then we see a monitor and it says file deleted (laughs) yep (laughs) cute theme song so now we're back at the fbi headquarters in dc and some gross man is like walking through the offices (laughs) so we're back at the fbi headquarters in dc now after the opening and there's some gross man walking through the office um and uh he meets Mulder and scully at a lunch cart because uh it's the 90s and uh and scully aren't fucking during their lunch break yet not yet I made a note about what they got for lunch. This is what I made you pause about. Okay, yeah, let's let's hear it. So she's eating a salad and pasta, right? Cool combo. Like pretty She's eating a salad and pasta. Pasta. And he's eating pasta and an apple. Isn't that weird? Ew. Ew. Spaghetti and an apple. His poor digestive system. Anyways. Yeah. I thought I was really curious about that. So I made um, Emily rewind and she was like, What are you looking at? I was like, nothing. That's what it was. Yeah, we watched we watched this episode together and because we don't present our notes to each other until we record, mm-hmm. um, the anticipation was really killing me. So <laughs> that's, what it that's was. good to know. Yeah. That's a good note. You weren't paying attention because Scully looks so cute. Yeah, say it. During say it. This. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you blame me? She's so cute. Okay. So we find out that it's Jerry Lamana and sure. he used to be Mulder's partner. He made sure Scully knew they were partners um, in violent crimes. And she was like, what? Why? What? I know. She's so hurt. I always forget that he worked in violent crimes. Me too. This is honestly the first I'm hearing of this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They've definitely said it before, but I always forget. And Scully is so mad that Mulder had another partner before her. And it's even sadder because wait until she finds out about his other partner. Oh, she's this upset already? Fuck. It's just a man. God damn it. Whatever. So Jerry's telling them about an electrocution death. 
that doesn't sound right. This and, man who got electrocuted and died. Um, that was not accidental. And he says the victim got stuck in some sort of booba trap booba in trap. his own bathroom. Can we talk and, about the origins of the name booby trap for a minute? Yeah. What did you know them? No. I was wondering if you did. Oh, no, I don't know them either. Do we look it up? Yeah. Siri, what is the origin <laughs> of the word booby trap? The hit- Oh, she's going to read the whole thing. Referring to a slow-witted person. Game-specific use in schoolyard name-calling for the dunce of the class. The name booby goes back to the late 1500s and possibly derives from Spanish bobo, meaning a fool, which, in turn, may come from Latin balbus, stammering. Fascinating. The more you know. You're getting this for free. (laughs) (laughs) So... Not sure how that how that translates to a trap, but anyways, if you want to call someone dumb, call them booby, which Drake and Josh did. So Drake and Josh is really but ahead of the time. But then I don't like that we also call breast boobs. Well, yeah. I'm not calling them boobs anymore. I'm calling them okay. breastesses. Okay. <laughs> titties. Titties. I like titties. Bing bang. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What about Milky Mounds? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. That's Stevie's favorite. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm crying. So now, <laughs> um, so Jerry's telling them that the building engineer found um, the Drake, the boss, mm-hmm. um, twelve hours later. He tells them that the forensics instructor, Nancy Spiller, at the academy is leading the investigation, and Scully goes into full gay panic at the sound of her name. Um, and <laughs> she, like, tries to deflect by being like, oh, yeah, like, we used to call her Iron Maiden. <laughs> but you know which, Scully fucking idolized her. Oh, yeah, 100%, which is, like, meant to be an insult, but joke's on you because Scully was into it. Yeah. And knew that she was a strong, powerful woman. Scully wanted to be the Iron Maiden. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So Jerry mentioned uh, Mulder to Nancy for their squad (laughs) that they were putting together. Mm -hmm. And Mulder says no, because they aren't on general assignment. And I like that he says we're as if, like, if he goes, Scully goes, which is cool. Yeah. Um, Very sexy of him. And so um, Jerry explains to him that he really doesn't want to mess this one up, um, that Drake was the CEO, not only the CEO of Fortune 500 company, but he was a good friend of the attorney generals and he wants to be on good terms with them. I'm not really sure how that, like what Jerry's deal is, but he basically just wants to like look good. He's trying to like climb up the ladder, the totem. He's trying to climb yeah. up the totem pole because he fucked up and like left some evidence that he like fucked up a case. And so he's like in the doghouse kind of, and he's trying to redeem himself essentially. Right. And so this part really got me because um, they show the back of Jerry's head mm-hmm. and I just kind of want to know why he's balding and Mulder literally looks 12. I know. Like, and you apparently guys were they work together. Yeah. I have a note about um, Scully observing Jerry and Mulder's interaction here, which I thought was really interesting because I love how much she 
just simply watches in the beginning seasons. Like on one hand, it's frustrating because she's not getting equal screen time as Mulder. But on the other hand, it's interesting because she truly uses that. And I think this is both Jillian figuring out the lay of the land is like a new big girl job. And also as Scully trying to get her bearings because when you watch her later in like seasons eight like we've been watching um she's like yes i am the lead look at me and she fucking owns her space but like here you like truly watch that build up which i think i probably bring up every episode but like the transformation's so wild and you truly can see it yeah stevie and i were watching um a couple of episodes from season nine Mm -hmm. and the growth that jillian um embodies in scully is like astronomical like it's truly i I would think that there she has had so many different stages of this woman in her life and it's it's truly incredible truly incredible it is it gives we've talked about this so many times i don't know if it's actually been on the podcast though but it gives us so much hope that like truly no position that like no part that you're in in your life is permanent Like you can constantly be changing and reinventing yourself. You're constantly growing. You're constantly learning. And you get to witness her doing that over not only this show, but just like her whole career. And it gives like anytime I'm like, I don't like what I'm embodying right now. I can fucking change it. Yeah. That's cool. And I think even for our Jillian's Corner thing, we'll get into a bit of that. Yeah. Just about, you know. Because I think, yeah, Stevie and I talk often about how many phases, like truly how many phases Jillian has gone through in her life. Just how amazing that is and, and how much hope that gives us because it, it shows that she is so not submissive to complacency. Mm-hmm. And um, like Stevie said, just con- consistently reinventing herself and, and, and growing. And that's amazing. And we'll talk about that more, I yeah. think towards the end but so they cut back to Eurisco world headquarters and scully is asking why they went there why Mulder and jerry went their separate ways and Mulder, (laughs) being a smart ass (laughs) per usual says that he was just a pain in the ass to work with Mm -hmm. um and scully's like oh my god you're so funny but really like why this is also another example of scully really trying to get to know Mulder, and he still never asking about her before she was at the bureau yeah it's like a really bad first date where it's like you're asking all the all the questions yeah and they don't even reciprocate that's, they don't even that's turn the first season of the show yes yeah, the whole first yeah. season Mulder ultimately just says that they had different career girl career goals and so they just went their separate ways he then tells scully that jerry misplaced a piece of evidence and that because of that a federal judge was attacked um and so jerry kind of went went downhill a little bit so again we see them being watched by the camera in the elevator 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 in the elevator in the the elevator elevator. um and scully uh asks what floor they're going to and she sounds like the like the voice in the elevator she She literally sounds like like it sounds like fucking siri yeah it's so cute um um um, if you haven't seen the elevator blooper we'll post it (laughs) yeah now you have because we will be posting it. Also, um, when the voice comes on in the elevator, Mulder's like, oh, I guess it's politically correct. I'm like, bro, it's just accessible. What the fuck? <laughs> politically correct. Makes the worst quote-unquote joke about how convenient and progressive and considerate it is that the elevator has a voice for the hearing impaired. I'm like, uh, So funny. That's so funny. Ha-ha. 
like accessibility what yeah anyways i hate the term politically correct like me too because half the time it's synonymous with decent and literally consider it exactly so then scully uh looks directly at his lips and then his dick in that order mm-hmm. um they do and they go right to his there, crotch there's no uh there's no explaining why Jillian did that so and then she fell and she was like i'm sorry i was looking at your dick and then i was on the floor i don't know how that happened the elevator didn't like Mulder's joke either and it stalls and scully goes bump and falls on the floor Scully goes are bump. so fragile whoa she can't keep her and balance in those big heels yeah and then Mulder picks her up and she like has to take a few deep breaths because he was so close to her i know so scully picks up the phone and the emergency phone in the elevator and it starts working again mm-hmm. but they're still being watched and the only note i have is she is so soft i want to marry her mm-hmm. so jerry scully and Mulder are in drake's office now and they're examining how the key in the socket could have electrocuted him um something about wires being switched and flipped and and i don't i don't give a shit right so they're saying no prints were found so whoever did it um had to have overridden the cos which is the central operating system that runs the whole building so then we see claude peterson come in and he's the building systems engineer and he was the one who discovered the body um and he, Mulder is asking him a bunch of questions and he basically says, you would have to break the access code, which wouldn't be easy to have done what this person did to Drake. Mm-hmm. I don't so know Mulder, if this has already happened, but Mulder does a Ben Franklin impersonation. And it's like, bro, someone died. What? Yeah. That, yeah. that was my whole note. <laughs> yeah, that's not, not great. Mulder's not, his jokes are not great in this episode. I wonder why. Who wrote them? I don't know. Couldn't Some, have been a woman. Couldn't have been. It couldn't have been someone whose name rhymes with Miss Maris- Martyr. <laughs> Miss Martyr. So, <laughs> so Mulder wants a list of the people with that capability. He asks um, Peterson for it. Yep. It's frustrating because I understand this is how the show like works, but it's like it's Mulder seems to always know what questions to ask. Isn't that so funny? So how funny. literally every single thing that comes out of his mouth is like turns out to be right in the end and like he asks the question almost as if he already knew the answer to it honestly it's boring like i'm like it's I so would boring love to see him work for it or at least act like he's really trying to figure it out and not like it's just coming to him out of thin air every single time yeah and yeah i love exactly. that scully brings up points that are very smart very intelligent very they have scientific backing logical and yeah. never are they right no, it's no. it's the vampire. It's not the because Scully virus that she discovers. Like Scully exists as a vessel, and in this case, before her reproductive rights are taken away from her and her autonomy, she serves as a vessel to challenge Mulder so he can be proven right. Uh huh. <laughs> Sexism. <laughs> so <laughs> then Jerry comes in, and Mulder and Scully give each other this look, like that you give your friend. Like when you're on a night out and you can see a man approaching you and you don't want to talk to him. They hate Jerry. <laughs> they hate him. Is this when they're back in the office now? Um, no. So now they're back at the FBI headquarters after that scene. Okay. And because I noticed that Mulder's name is on the door. And does her yeah. name ever get added to the door? No. Okay. 
And I, it's, I made an, a similar note and I said, why is Scully still knocking on the door of their shared office? Valid questions. Um, it's just a testament to the fact that she is, they're trying to make her as viscerally a stranger in a space where she is supposed to be um, equal and accepted as right. much as humanly and fucking like, possible. At this point in the show, maybe I'll give it to him. Like maybe she does have another working space at this point. They've only just started working together. But when you get to season five, season six, season seven, and she still doesn't have a desk, still doesn't have her name on the door, but is only ever seen in this office, that's when it's problematic. You know what I mean? Well, because it's like, yeah, I mean, it's because, um, I mean, I wouldn't, she definitely has her own working space at this point, but it doesn't make any sense because they're working on the exact same things. Exactly. So how are they working on the exact same case from two different locations in a building with like 20,000 floors? No, it doesn't make any sense. They just, so, it truly was just never a thought in the writer's room to give her a space to work. Like it was just yeah. never a thought, which is almost more upsetting than it being a conscious thought to not give her a space. Yeah. Anyways. Um, because she wasn't meant to be the main character, and yet that was what she became. <laughs> so um, Mulder's looking for his profile notes, and Scully is coming. Scully comes to get him for a meeting, and she says he needs to be an adult and clean his desk more than once a year, <laughs> as if she's his mother. So Jerry says. <laughs> so Jerry says that the perpetrator was likely a sociopathic game player, a recluse. Um, he set the trap to avoid detection and also avoid contact with the victim. Scully somehow recognizes that they're Mulder's profile notes and Mulder's like, meh, it's okay. Well, I love Boys club. Forget about it. I love that one. He's very pouty about it. He's like, Oh, those are my notes. Okay. Yeah. And he's so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I will get less feral because I don't give two shits about season six Mulder, but he's so hot. Like, do you see him? <laughs> anyways, 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 anyways. I'm sorry. If the, I, I'm, I need to stop being so abhorrently straight on this podcast. <laughs> um, no, when he's pouty, he looks like a little puppy dog. I know, and, and I want to, cute. never mind. Um, okay. Scully's face, when um, she realizes that he stole his profile, she was like, Oh my God. Because you know, that was probably her biggest pet peeve in medical school was like people stealing her notes and like ideas and pretending they were hers. And she was like, how dare he? And she's so like defensive and protective over him. And it's so cute. It's so cute. So, um, Oh, also, also, sorry. Yay for a woman being in charge of this meeting. I agree with that. Mulder confronts Jerry and Jerry's basically a piece of shit and he stole Mulder's profile notes like from his office like he snuck into his office and stole them um so scully gets so then whatever it's over and his wife comes back so he's happy so scully gets the list from peterson with one name on it and it's our boy brad our boy brad bb and um she says that it's headline news how much she hated drake so it makes sense Mm -hmm. um Mulder says it's too obvious, but Scully says it's completely consistent with Jerry's excellent behavioral profile um, <laughs> because she's in love. Because she's so mad that his work got stolen. Because, you know, I think this like connects to she knows what a good agent he is and she knows like what good work he does. And it's like all the more frustrating when people don't believe her when she talks about it. But then here's an opportunity for him to demonstrate his skills and then somebody fucking hijacks it. Yeah, I think I have a really good point, but let me let me flesh it out in my head really quickly. 
Just kidding. I'm going to talk out loud. So Scully is so protective of that aspect for Mulder because she knows what it's like. Because as a woman, she says something in a meeting or she says something in class and a man says it louder mm. and he gets all the credit. Mm. Yes. And so this is not, this is a very sad point and very cynical, but um, it's interesting because we see Mulder take on that feeling that's usually reserved um, and more certainly more prevalent for women that feeling of being talked over that feeling of being usurped, um yeah. yeah usurped and having your ideas stolen mm -hmm. without any um consequence and it's interesting because i can't think it, it's it's interesting because it's like why are they trying to make molder like so viscerally the victim of this they're trying so when hard. there are moments in the show where that happens countless times to women and highlights things that truly happen in real life to women mm -hmm. and they aren't given the same attention well it's like he's trying it's like this does that makes sense yes, it does do you, it, do you know what i'm trying no i like, do trying it, it's like the whole, like, it's like the whole concept with men being like oh well now there's a war on men and women hate men like just yeah. trying so hard to be oppressed <laughs> and being yeah be yeah victim, yeah you know what exactly. i mean exactly yes exactly because like truly i mean every non-white cis male has had that experience of being exactly a, and either what be it a professional setting like be it in class and this is what that so is but they're putting it on somebody that that would not really happen to exactly and so it doesn't hit as hard as it maybe could like, it, this could be powerful if they were showing it happening to Scully intentionally and intentionally showing her persevere over it. But it would have to be an intentional thing, and they're not conscious of that. So it, it's not going to exactly. be. So, yeah, Scully's being so cute, and they're like – and Mulder's just kind of like, it's whatever. Um, and, and I think it also, like, paints him again just as, like, this hero. He's just like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, I'll do the work again. Like, it's okay that he stole my notes. And, like – they want you to sympathize with him, but it's like, no, Jerry's just a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm not sympathizing like, with Mulder as much as I'm just not liking Jerry. Jerry, exactly, exactly. But she's so cute. I like, she. Lo I love that little joke she I makes. Know. Well, I love that she's really, like, she, She. I love that she empathizes. So Scully and Mulder drive to Brad's house, and Scully looks fucking adorable. <laughs> if they showed up at my house like that, I think I would just have to pass away. Like I Both just of them show, have the I, audacity to show up looking like that. Well, then yes. when they when Brad opens the door, he's like, "What took you guys so long?" And like, this is just so cocky and irritating. And like, wow, way to be a blatant white man dealing with law enforcement with no fear at all. Like yeah. that was just yep, that was irritating. The very irritating. I made the same note. So they have to take off their shoes. <laughs> Scully's so cute. I really like it too because it's such a contrast to how Jillian was at that time in her life. I've noticed very early on she walks so straight with a, such a straight back and her shoulders are pushed back and she walks like with her like her head she's so like regal. She like walks with her chin up and like she's like I cut to Jillian having just cut her hair that was unbrushed and hanging at her ass for five years and showing up she's like i'm a big girl now flannels and yeah it's just so funny she's such a good actor okay 
he basically, Brad explains that you can divide the computer science industry into two types of people, um, neat and scruffy. So this fucking wannabe Steve Jobs <laughs> says Drake was a Drake was a power hungry opportunist who didn't abide by the company's namesake, um, which was Eurisco, which means I discover things. Um, and Mulder tries to to guess what Eurisco means, and he's off by a little bit. And Scully's so impressed by his horrible Latin. I know. Brad's house is a smart home, and he says that their program was far ahead of Microsoft and Cebus. Sure. Which apparently wasn't that big of a accomplishment because no one knows what the fuck that is I anymore. Know. When Drake killed the program, so Brad basically says that someone could have hacked into the system, that it wasn't necessarily someone who knew how the system worked mm -hmm. from the inside. So he said that he designed the system and could have done it. He also is calling them Miss Scully and Mr. Mulder, so he's fucking useless. Yes. Well, he also he um, says like because he realizes that he would be a suspect and he's like oh well scruffy minds don't commit murder and i'm like um that's not an alibi there's no way like do you see my beard look at that scruffy as hell oh yeah he assures her that because he looks like a hobo <laughs> him and his uncombed hair and his shirt with grease stains on it couldn't possibly commit a murder and the other note I have is Scully is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Oh my God, she is the little baby. I also wrote, her and Clyde were definitely together here. For those of you who don't know, Clyde is Jillian Anderson's uh, husband, ex-husband, first husband. I don't know. She's used all terms. <laughs> yeah. He was the, uh, he worked in the art department. Right? Yes. Uh, on mm -hmm. the show, and then they met and she, they got, mm -hmm. <laughs> they got pregnant. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I hate when people say that. Oh, I've never heard someone really? say that. Really? Oh, people say, like, we're pregnant. Yeah, we're expecting. And I'm like, bitch, no. I mean, we're expecting, maybe. But not we're pregnant. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. So, cut to Scully back in her apartment, writing up her mm -hmm. field notes, um, with her bare leg slapping me in the face. <laughs> Emily screamed when we saw that. Uh, I have slapping nothing to do with the face. Just flying through the air. The bear calf. Yep. Oh, I wish. Okay, so she she basically writes that she thinks Brad has a demonstrable motive mm -hmm. uh, for killing Drake. And if he's so clever, how do they catch him in the crime? Um, she's very techie. Very techie. So Scully gets ready for bed. Yeah, she took off her shoe and Emily had to pause. The way she t oh. <laughs> the way she takes off her shoe and like glides into her bedroom is so sexy of her. Like, would love we'll to be the, the ground. It's, it's powerful. She's overheating. <laughs> Let's take some deep breaths, everyone collectively. <laughs> so funny because as this was coming up, Emily was like, "She's gonna take off her shoe," and I was like, "No, it's not this." And she's like, "She's gonna take off her shoe right now," and I was like, "No, she's not." And then she did, and she like paused it and screamed in my face. <laughs> because it's insulting to me that you would think that I don't okay, know when that I apologize. Happens. I have apologized. Okay. <laughs> Emily and it's I, okay. this is going to be the downfall of our friendship. This shoe. You're right. No, the downfall of our friendship. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to say? The downfall of our friendship was you moaning like Jillian Anderson would in her British accent. Oh, yeah. And, and in a car where, that I couldn't <laughs> that leave. I couldn't leave. <laughs> Yeah, she got really mad at me about that. You say that like it's not warranted. It's a yoke. <laughs> it's a yoke. 
I like putting Y's at the beginning of everything. You make it, is, is, that, is that funny because I can't eat eggs? Are you making fun of, of me because of that? Hell yeah, I am. This, podcast this is the last episode. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart. We literally slept on FaceTime and woke up together because we're having withdrawals. <laughs> yeah, we're going through withdrawal. <laughs> um, but then, of course, Scully has her little sexy moment, and then she's violated again course, in her home by the perpetrator who whoever is scanning mm-hmm. her computer. It's always her, her that gets fucked over, always. So then I just have next scene. I just have brown suit, brown suit, brown suit. So Mulder and Scully are listening to recordings of Brad and Jerry walks in on them in this very intimate moment. And they turn around as if to say, um, what the fuck is he doing here? And then Jerry apologizes and Mulder says, oh, Jerry apologizes for, that would have been important to note. Jerry apologizes for stealing his profile notes and Mulder says, all you had to do was ask and he would have helped him. And maybe that's why Scully never gets her over back. She should have just asked. All you had to do was ask. (laughs) You didn't know I had it, but all you had to do was ask. So Jerry's mad because he's facing the consequences of his own (laughs) fuck up. It's really funny because my notes are like a mix of me being like very serious and saying the plot and then me saying lines. When like, I'm not doing the plot, my notes are incoherent. I need to work on that. Um, so Jerry's bitter because Mulder's hot and smart and has the hottest new partner ever. And basically Jerry is in love with Mulder. He is. And you would think um, – Mulder would have listened to a man telling him he felt like he was the star of the show and he felt like he was just tagging along, but sadly um, he doesn't and that never changes. Yeah. Um, so to clarify, Jerry comes and is like, I'm sorry I took your profile notes. Like, I'm just so annoyed because you're always the star and I always felt like I was just tagging along and I never felt like I was your equal. And, like, that one time I brought cheese and wine to your motel room and, like, you just shut me down completely and it just really (laughs) hurt me. And I was never the same after that. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Scully's like, oh, that suck. Mm, That suck. I'll try again. (laughs) So Scully realizes that Mulder's, like, retreating into this man, like, simping over him. And Scully says, Mulder, come take a look. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. I wrote, Emily is convinced when Scully says, take a look, she meant look at her tits. And I think it's an investigative breakthrough, but no, it's always about tits for Emily. Oh, no. You okay over there? (laughs) Yeah, maybe I was projecting, okay? That's it. That's all I have to say. What was your note? My note was um, when she says, come take a look, it's very foreshadowy of her little... Come on. <gasps> oh my. <laughs> it sounded exactly the same. Jesus fucking Christ. Just a little bit less um, um, raspy? Yeah. Because she hadn't had yeah. the years and years of smoking yet. <laughs> True. She's very early on in her smoking journey. Yeah. So she's like, um, come on. Oh, this is really not good for what you just said about me. But I made a note and I said, she's like, come on, Mulder. We don't need him. Look how hot we are. And I've got tits. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I made a note saying, I'm pretty sure she said Mulder come take a look, but Jerry just uh, decided to come as yeah. his cue to follow. 
So Scully shows them two voice recordings, one from the telephone call to Drake's office and one of Brad's spliced together clips from when from talks that he's given mm-hmm. and they sound the same. Yeah, maybe, it, it's it's like of. it's the same voice. Yeah. So um Scully once again um is the challenge so that Mulder can be proven right. Mm-hmm. Um she basically says like we have him, like this is the evidence that we need. Um and we have she said we have the motive he had the motive and he had the means and you're right and now we have the physical evidence she says as she draws onto a computer screen with a permanent marker did she do that yes i totally didn't notice that she was looking at the computer screen and she picks up a red sharpie and draws circles ma'am what the fuck and so jerry just um is just take 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 He's an asshole. Um, He doesn't want to do any actual work. Um, He says that someone needs to go stay with Brad and that he'll go alone. So so then cut to wannabe Steve Jobs hacking into some system and he's denied access. So he goes to Eurisco. Jerry follows him and Brad gets into the system at Eurisco and he's confused because it's acting different. It has voice synchronization, which it didn't have when he created it. Mm -hmm. Brad is watching the security monitors and he sees Jerry on the elevator and yells at the computer. He's like, please stop. What are you doing? Don't do it. <laughs> and Brad, is, Brad tries to turn it off, but um, it doesn't work. And Jerry is just stuck between the 29th and 30th floor. And then it drops immediately. And Jerry is eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry gets deleted. Jerry is eliminated. That scene gave me anxiety because, I don't know, the concept of an elevator just dropping kind of freaks me out. But, like, if you're going to arrest somebody, maybe take the stairs. Maybe that's a good note. I hated this part, too, because I have, like, this recurrent dream where, like, I'm in an elevator and it just, like, (laughs) it's the opposite. But it, like, keeps going and it just doesn't stop and I just shoot out the top of a building. (laughs) Do you seriously? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why is that so funny? so high like i see airplanes like i like oh my go god <laughs> like i'm like faced like i'm like eye to eye with someone in an airplane that's so funny <laughs> Mulder's watching the tapes from the building and scully comes in and says she's sorry about jerry i'm sorry when you shoot out of the top of the elevator <laughs> are you like still in the elevator and you're like yeah. through a window yeah. and you can see like you're in a little pod or are you free like in the yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, like the elevator shoots out the top. <laughs> it just goes. It's, it starts going so fast. Do you ever make it to space, or does it no. come back down? No, I just usually wake up before it ends. It never stop. It never ends. I never see the end of it. So anyway, so yeah, Scully comes in, says she's sorry about Jerry. Mulder says he doesn't think that Brad did it. Mm-hmm. Because if he did, why would he go back to your Risco right like that night? Right. Um and, and Scully, be on camera. Right, exactly. And Scully says, Well, I don't know, to destroy evidence. And then Mulder says, He would you pose for the cameras if you were going to destroy evidence? And then he shows Scully the whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like his whole his whole shtick is choreographed and like it's not entertaining at all. Oh my god, what? <clears throat> I'm just gonna say this. Um I'm just going to say this with as straight a face as I can. Okay. And then I'm going to need you to close my uh, eyes. Pick up. Okay. 
Okay. Scully kneels down to suck Mulder's dick and gives him the, you've been through a lot. Let me help you relax. And he blows it part one and he leaves. How the fuck do you want me to pick up from that? <laughs> People who, if there's anybody listening who hasn't watched the show, they're going to be like, oh my God, she kneels down to suck his dick. <laughs> Crazy. No listener. No. In the Sex Files version though, that's what happens. She just kneels down and looks like she's about to like start rubbing his legs and be like, let me help you relax. Like it's okay. Oh my God. Like, I want to. I want to. Jesus Christ. It's true. It doesn't. Of course she wants. Of course she wants I mean, to. She's not alone. Yeah. You didn't need to say that for everyone to know you're the other person she's not <laughs> alone because of. <laughs> they know. I've been outed. I know. <laughs> Recognizing that her attempt to seduce him has failed, uh, she breaks his heart and says, Brad signed a confession. Um, she really tried. She really tried to be like, the news I'm about to break to you is going to be so heartbreaking. Um, but he's like, no, it's okay. I'm good. Tell me. And she said, well, Brad signed a confession. (laughs) So Mulder goes to Brad's house and there's a group of men there who look like they're going to mug him. No, they look like they're with like the mob. Yeah. And they tell him, and they tell him his subpoena has been obviated. Um, so thanks. So then later, uh, Mulder hops on a different deep throat, uh, deep throat himself. Are you so amused by yourself? That was such a good one. <laughs> Got yourself with that one? Wordy is not really there, but the effort's mm-hmm. there. You know what oh, I mean? No, it was good. And Top tier. The sentiment's there. So deep throat tells him some conspiracy between Brad and an adaptive network, um, which is a network that thinks and 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 something to do with the Department of Defense. Okay. Some, some bullshit doesn't really matter. Knows. Cut to the Federal Detention Center. Moeller goes to visit Brad there, and he pressures him to tell him why he turned himself in if he's innocent. And he basically, Moeller tells him that he knows he's protecting the machine. Um, he knows that he's protecting the COS at Eurisco. Mm-hmm. And it basically ends with, um, that conversation ends with Moeller saying, well, if you created it, then you can shut it down. So they, um, so Brad responds and he says that the machine killed Drake, basically. And wannabe Steve Jobs compares himself to Oppenheimer now in that he created the bomb and despised what it became and what it did to people for the rest of his life. He's like, I'm so brilliant. It's so hard. It's so hard being me. He also said, Hiroshima, sir. So they basically decide that the machine is sentient now. It mm. thinks for itself. And then Mulder said sentient. And I was like, why can no one pronounce anything in this scene? What's oh, happening? Oh, yeah. And then Mulder said something else, too. He said, um, Mulder says that the machine killed Drake to keep him from shutting it down. Yes. So Scully tells Mulder she thinks he's traumatized by Jerry's death and should talk to someone. Yeah. Um, she suggests therapy and he throws a fit and he leaves and it's like homeboy it was not a horrible suggestion not at all and so he goes and he's like yeah i'm gonna go talk to someone so he goes to talk to an equally egotistical nut brad yep um again so then we see scully all cozy and snuggly in bed reading the obstacle course because she's preparing for cross training (laughs) Just kidding. That book is not about cross-training. It's also um, not a book she'd read, but we'll move past it. Not at all, but we move. So her phone rings at 1.30 in the morning, and she does a little jig to her computer so and realizes her computer's been hacked. Yep. Of course. 
And so she calls the FBI and asks for a phone trace. And she drives to Eurisco to meet Mulder because that's where the call is coming from. And Mulder says, basically, it's, it's the machine. The machine is the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Scully is in the most adorable flannel top and green pantsuit and all i can imagine is her like rifling through her wardrobe trying to find something to wear because she's in a rush but she also knows Mulder's going to be there and she can't go in in her pajamas and she has to look good but not too good because she was sleeping because she just got out of bed yeah it's the perfect outfit truly um where am i so they put a so they put a urisco license plate on their car and that's how they get into the building However, the gate drops onto their car when they're trying to pull into the parking garage. And that scares me too. To take... Yeah, that scared the shit I'm out of me. I'm very scared like, of things falling on my car, like when I go under something. Yeah. I hate those. They take the stairs, and of course, the lights go out. And Stevie thought it would be a good idea to say, How hot would it be if they just started making out right now? Which it would be. It would be so hot. Like they can't see each other, they can only feel each other. Someone write that. So they come up and uh, Scully is like all sweaty and dirty for some reason. And, and Stevie goes, probably from the stairs. <laughs> like, what? What do you mean? From walking up flights of stairs? Did I say that? Yeah. There were a lot of stairs. Why she have dirt across her face? Maybe she fell. Maybe from when the fucking thing fell on the car. They try to open the door and electrocutes the screwdriver because Mulder was like, wait a second. We can't Don't, use our yeah. hands. Um, so Mulder puts a sock over the camera thinking that that'll do something. And then they see the ceiling vent and they're like, Scully, you have to go into the ceiling vent and unlock the door from the other side. Mm -hmm. So Scully crawls into the ceiling vent. Um, and then when someone opens the door, (laughs) it's a large black man and Mulder's like, Hey, you're not my wife. (laughs) like you're not scully hey you're not scully Mm. so shit starts so scully's in the duck the duck yep and shit starts flying everywhere and she gets swept away and nearly sucked into the spinning blade fan thing and then like she's hanging on for dear life and here's the thing it's like why does scared we talked about this before with like the woman whose coffee spilled and she like had a fucking orgasm and then other people like every time why does scared screaming sound so much like sex noises like why do moments of complete pleasure sound like complete fear or pain like what does that mean i'm about to make such a five head point are you ready five head yeah yeah so because the way that women are like like audibly supposed to project fear is very exaggerated and it's meant to be so that the camera can pick up on the fact that they are scared mm-hmm. with because maybe like especially in this instance like we couldn't really see her face right. so we couldn't see like the physical manifestation of fear so in order to make that come across audibly her um noises had to be very exaggerated Mm -hmm. and pronounced and that correlates to oh no 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 yeah that correlates to to women like being performed women in porn yeah Yeah. okay that makes sense um but sometimes i do feel like it's genuine like when you get hurt you'll make a noise that sounds like one that you might naturally make during sex like some of it mm. is natural and that just bothers me. Oh, I'm sure some of it's natural, but I'm thinking like on camera. That makes sense. 
if you can't see someone's face, like how are they going to phys- how are they going to embody the fear? Exaggerated nature nature of it. Yeah, that makes sense. This is something that bothers me often. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, do you feel like that? Because if it's involuntary, no, I mean, like, like on a biological level, why are those sounds the same? Mm, interesting. Like that bothers me. Why would you sound the same in pleasure than you do in pain? Why are they so close to each other? I have no answers to this. It's just, it really bothers me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. But I get what you mean with like, with it being performative and like that is definitely a really good comparison. And it makes sense why there's so many of those parallels on screen, but I just mean like in real life, biologically, why, why? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Anyways, Scully sounds like she's um, having the time of her life. (laughs) Do you want to say it? In this duct. She's fucked in the duct. We will attach that Polaroid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so mol- so anyway so the guy who entered the door was peterson was um mr claude can i go now peterson claude can i go now literally the first line that he says like after he's done talking is can i go now and like they that was the plant that he was the he was yep. the bad guy so molder and peterson are in the computer's control center and molder gets into the system to put in the virus that Brad showed him and gave him to mm-hmm. kill the system. Um, again, whoa, who could have whoa, seen it coming? Yeah. Peterson is against Mulder and holds him at gunpoint and tells Mulder to yeah. give him everything. So Scully comes to save her man at gunpoint and the two men start yelling at her and basically trying to like win her no. over. And, she, I love that she comes um, in and saves the day one. That's very exciting to me. Like she's like, me she too. Was fucking went through the ringer in that goddamn duct. She comes out, she's all beaten up and she's mm-hmm. like pissed, has her gun pulled. And then they all start yelling at her and she gets like very emotional and like very like baby, but trying to be strong. And I was like, I love I, her acting is so good in that scene. Because it's difficult because it's like, it's, it's um kind of sad because Peterson is like, I mean, this is why it's so dumb because it's so choreographed. Like Peterson is appealing to Scully's most basic nature of wanting to um, appease Mm -hmm. everyone. And he literally says like, you'll get in trouble. Like you'll be the one who's held accountable and like, he won't get in trouble. Like don't. And it's like, why, why the fuck would this man know that she has like these issues? Like he's playing on typical young female in a male dominated field issues. He's playing on that. Ultimately, she chooses Mulder, of course, course, and they kill the system. The computer being Um, like, what are you doing, Brad? Don't do this, Brad, was me to my high school boyfriend. (laughs) That's so funny. So, yeah. So, Peterson tries to tell Scully that she'll be held accountable. And she's like, sir, I have daddy issues. I need Mulder to tell me he's proud of me. And then she goes, put in the disc, babe. (laughs) And so he does. And the system dies. And all is right with the world. And then we've got Mulder and Deep Throat chilling on a bench talking about how unfair it is that Brad is going to be tried for murder. They left no trace of artificial intelligence, so now there's nothing to exonerate Brad, but it wouldn't have mattered because the machine would have killed more people. So ultimately, Mulder had to choose between more victims or the one victim in Brad. Um, And he chose, of course, the... And so the machine, of course, turns back on in the final shot with um, Peterson's face saying, I'm going to figure this thing out if it kills me. And it probably will. So I hope you love the machine a lot. Beautiful. That's the episode. We did it. And that's the episode. Also, 
I would like to say, for some reason, that is the first time I've ever seen that episode. I know. You were saying that. Which is so weird. Yeah, I, like, skipped over it for some reason when I was doing, when I was watching in my rewatch. And this is the first time I saw it. Some fun moments. Favorite part is definitely Scully coming in and holding Peterson at gunpoint. Oh, yeah, me too. so cute. I love that bit. I got very excited when that happened. I just like her telling them to shut up. I love when she points a gun at anybody. Yeah. That's my favorite thing ever. Do you want to do Jillian's Corner? Let's do Jillian's Corner. Should we sing our little song? Because we haven't in so long. (sighs) Yeah, I just had a big stretch. I know. (laughs) So let's do our theme song. Okay. How does it go again? But, 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 Jillian's Corner. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah. But, uh, but, okay. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to just go or do you want to count? Let's just go. Let's just go. Okay. Ready? Okay. Ready? Yeah. Three, two. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ready? Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Three. All right. Let's go. You're the one who did this. (laughs) You're the one who did it last. I was ready. Okay. Okay, ready? Yeah. Jillian's Corner. Maybe this is why okay. we stopped singing the goddamn theme. Yeah, because you Jillian's suck. You, me? Yeah. Ma'am? Who was the one going three, two, three? Two, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. What's your goddamn Jillian's thing? Jillian's Corner. What is it? My go- What's your goddamn thing? <laughs> okay. My goddamn thing <laughs> is... um. I have a bone to pick with no one in particular. <laughs> okay. But it has to do with the fact that women have to either be one thing or the other, and they can't be exactly how they want to be and multifaceted and multidimensional and, and um, yeah. Okay. Elaborate. What's brought about, elaborate, gladly. What brought this about was um, I was perusing through my photos and I saw the pictures of Jillian when she did FHM. Uh, I don't know if it's potentially. I think the magazine was FHM. Okay. And um, she's on a bed and she's in black lingerie and she looks so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, she looks stunning. But after that happened and when she was would go on talk shows um, and talk about, I'm not really sure, that time in her life, just kind of herself in general, um, herself compared to Scully, she always felt the need to say that she regretted doing those, that, those photo shoots where she was a little bit more risque and not wearing as much as a normal, like a person in everyday life. <laughs> not fully clothed, um, yeah. That's the word, not fully clothed. Not wearing as much as you might on an average day to the grocery store. On an average day. Okay, listen. (laughs) She's talked about how she felt like she had to do those um, photo shoots because she wanted so badly to distinguish herself from the character and the woman that Scully was. And, of course, as we know, the character of Scully was seen as very straight-laced and very square and um, not very in tune with her femininity um, and her sexuality, or at least that was not portrayed to the point where it was almost uh, sort of used as like a tease for Scully and and not to the point where it wasn't even shown, but where it was um, like buried almost. Well, like like actively. Well, the thing is, is that she's actively denied access to her sexuality and to her femininity because that is the 
unconscious trade-off for her to be taken seriously in a male-dominated environment. Exactly. Wow, I wish I could have fucking said that to Jillian Anderson when she asked about my goddamn thesis. Whatever. Yeah, that was really good. You just said that really well. I Um, can I I know you didn't want to talk about it. Can I just say just briefly, we had our Zoom with Jillian Anderson. It was great. She was so nice. I'm so happy everyone was great. It was so cool to see everybody's. She asked about my thesis, and I've never explained something worse in my goddamn life. Ever. It was like I didn't even write the paper. But she was still so happy. She was just smiling, and I was smiling at you, and she was smiling at you. I literally said, it was a long paper, I don't fucking know, end quote. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) She was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) That was funny. So yeah, so my rant for today is um, frustration about how she felt like she had to be one or the other. Um, yeah, she felt like she had to because she was demonstrated as a straight-laced, non-feminine character. She like had to prove that she was also sexy. When really, she can just embody all of those things and be herself, and you don't need to demonstrate that. But it, it makes sense that in this fucking image-obsessed industry um, that she would feel like she needs to do that. It's frustrating because it, it, it almost plays into a little bit of like current-day... Um, like social media where it's like if you don't see it on social media it must not be a thing like she felt like if she didn't show this other side of her of Jillian that it it wasn't that it that it didn't exist and that's really sad because um because she won we're talking about this in the context of Jillian saying later on in her life that she had regretted doing those um because of course if she never felt that way I mean, amazing. Like those photo shoots are beautiful. But it's sad to me that she felt that regret later on. And she even did an interview on, it was called something else, but on what eventually became The View, Mm -hmm. where they had, the hosts had um, sprawled a bunch of her um, face in various different things and, and photo shoots and everything that she had done. And I believe that was one of them that had been made, that photo shoot had been made into a calendar or something. Oh, yeah. And she didn't want to show it. And yeah, uh, jo- uh, what's her name? What's the redheaded one's Joy? name? Jo- Is it Joy? Okay. And Joy uh, went to go pick it up and she asked her not to. And Joy was still going to do it. And Jillian had to say, no, I'm serious. Please don't, don't show that. Mm-hmm. And a couple points here. One is that it's sad that Joy didn't listen to her the first time she said, don't show it. That whole interview is a mess. That whole interview is such a mess. But also, like, Jillian Anderson is is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, sh- holy shit. I went from obsessing about her taking off her shoe to on the verge of tears because she's such an amazing woman. I love that. That's a beautiful transformation. Stevie and I talk... Okay, this is, like, wild, but... Another just point is that Stevie and I talk about all the time. Um, one of the things that I admire about Jillian the most, and she's done this really since she was in the public eye, like from mm-hmm. the very beginning, yes, yes, yes. Um, where she'll be in an interview or in a situation where she's talking to someone else or whatever, and she doesn't feel the need to fill silence with anything Mm -hmm. and she doesn't feel the need to feel awkward lulls in a conversation with anything and she just consistently speaks her mind 
And that is something that I admire so much. And I really try to do because I find myself um, feeling like I need to appease people a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm in a conversation with someone and I say something and I speak my mind and then there's this weird silence, I feel the need to fill it with, you know, or, or something like that. Like, like or, or something whatever. you feel the need to um invalidate what you just said in some way or to like look yeah. down in some way like especially if you're talking about something that might be controversial or that might be you setting a boundary or that might be you being assertive in any way afterwards you might you feel you might feel the need to be like oh but that's okay like it doesn't really matter or but like i don't really know like or maybe something like that or does that make sense i do that a lot yeah exactly and i try to actively be aware of that but it's hard the point of this being that um, it was sad that she had to <laughs> say it more than once, not to show it. Mm -hmm. And two, it's sad that um, she felt like she had to show that side of herself for it to be a reality. It's and then true. regretted it later. Yep. That's Women, a good point. What's, what is that line from the fall? Um, basically about how the media likes to split oh, women, divide women into, into virgins, virgins and, whores. and whores. Yeah. And the virgins are the only ones worthy of justice and whores are somehow blamed for something. And it's just, we need to look at women as women and just people as people, literally. You don't need to divide. We don't need to categorize. We don't need to stereotype. People exist as complex human beings and it's pretty fucking simple. Um, and that's it. And that's it. Um, and then next week we're going to talk about Oh my god, is, is, is it ice? Is ice, ice next? It's <gasps> ice, yeah. Woo! Ice is so fun! That was so much fun. Um, so, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you on the flip side for ice <laughs> next week. I'm an old woman. No, you're not. That was so funny. Well, I'll catch you on the flip side. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you listen next time, if you choose to listen after this, um, thank you. And <laughs> yeah, just for everyone you listen to, thank you. Okay, yeah, truly. Okay, that's it. Okay, um, and thanks right. for listening. Thank you so much. This is to the Sex Files. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.